This podcast is produced by EnergeticCity.ca, your only local and independent news in Northeast BC. To support local news and this podcast, go to EnergeticCity.ca slash join to find out more. Now, an in-depth look at the news and information shaping our community. This is Moose Talks with your host, Doug Craig on Moose FM. Welcome to the show. A little later on, we're going to be talking all about the return of the Doig River First Nation Rodeo this weekend with Jody Serreras, one of the organizers. Sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun, so make sure you stay tuned for that. But first, it's been a year since the Car 60 program began in Fort St. John, which pairs mental health clinicians with general duty RCMP officers to respond to mental health calls within the city. So to reflect on the year that was and look into the future of the program, we're joined now by Fort St. John RCMP Detachment Commander Inspector Anthony Hansen and a manager in Northern Health's Mental Health and Substance Use Program, Joseph de Guzman. Welcome to both of you to uh, Moose Talks. Thank you very much. Pleasure to be here. Thank you so Thanks much for, for having us. Yeah, thank you so much for taking some time to uh, chat with us today. Let's start with kind of an explanation of what the program is and kind of what it's uh, designed to do, or at least uh, what it was supposed to be designed to do. Uh, if uh, Both of you want to chime in on that. I, I think you were kind of there certainly at the start of it, as I understand it, Inspector. Uh, sure. Joseph, do you mind if I lead Go us ahead. off? Yes, okay, sir. so. Uh, yeah, so prior to coming to Fort St. John, I was posted in Prince George, where mm-hmm. we had a CAR-60 unit stood up, and it was very successful. So upon my um, transfer to Fort St. John and looking at uh, you know the increasing number of mental health calls, uh, I thought this is something that we certainly need to look at and partner with Northern Health to try to bring this service mm-hmm. to the community. I think it's widely recognized now that police are not mental health workers or clinicians. Uh, Our job is public safety. And so we really want to partner with the professionals to bring, uh, you know, the right skill set to assist the members of the public who are in crisis. So we reached out to Northern Health at the director level, and they were very keen to get on board. Uh, We had started uh, planning when COVID arrived, and that obviously put the brakes on. Uh, for about two years, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, once uh, we sort of had come through the worst of that, uh, we re-engaged with Northern Health um, and moved forward and then began the program uh, last spring. Um, and again, you know, in the North, we are very good, both Northern Health and RCMP, making do with what we have. So um, we do not have full a full-time unit in that sense. So what we've done from the RCMP end is that we've paired our frontline general duty uh, members. Uh, when they get a call, uh, they contact the, the, the ICMT worker, the Inten- intensive case management team worker who mm-hmm. is paired with us. Um, and they pick her up when she's on shift and she attends the call. And then if we have to, if we're required to apprehend and go to the hospital, she attends there as well, just to help navigate. Obviously the emergency rooms are incredibly busy yeah. everybody's short staffed. Um, uh, but Northern Health also recognizes that, you know, it, it's not uh, it, it's not helpful if a police officer is sitting at the emergency room for five, six, seven hours. So they do our they do their best. and They do a very good job of expediting um, uh, that person being assessed by a physician. Mm-hmm. So it, it's not only at the point of contact where there's huge benefits in having the mental health professionals to make an assessment. They also have access to the Northern Health database. So they have all the information, patient information, medication information that we do not have access to. They know what to do with it. They can make an assessment. And then if we are required to apprehend, uh, they can help facilitate access at the hospital uh, to best use police resources as well. So it's mm-hmm. really been a win-win. Yeah. 
So before, um, there's a couple things I want to ask you about. Before an RCMP officer would attend in a situation like that, because you're a first responder, I assume RCMP officers have some training in regards to dealing with situations like that. Now, it's not the same as being a nurse or a mental health clinician. Uh, but as you said, kind of at the end part, too, where you've come to the hospital with the person to kind of seek more help for them from a, a medical standpoint, the officer would have to stay there kind of before for more. And that's not the case if the clinician is with them is kind of what you're saying, correct? Because they can sort of take over and the, the general duty member can, can uh, get on to the next thing, I suppose. Not necessarily. Okay. No, because under the Mental Health Act, Section 28 of the <clears throat> Mental Health Act, is which mm-hmm. allows police to apprehend an individual that we determine is an immediate danger to themselves or others. Um, So they are in our custody, apprehended, uh, until a physician makes a decision as to whether they require further treatment and will be committed or whether they're to be released. I see. So we can't just leave. But what working with the Northern Health Worker allows us to do is to expedite the process at the hospital and cut the time down. I see. Yeah. Well, it just kind of moves it along faster. Yeah. Then, Joseph, kind of from a Northern Health standpoint, I mean, you know, the RCMP approaches Northern Health about doing this and sort of executing it. Um, You know, how what was it like kind of making that kind of happen? And clearly Northern Health was enthusiastic about being part of this and seeing them as sort of this. This can improve outcomes for when RCMP officers attend these sort of situations. Right. Yes, for sure. Um, So so really with this project, we're putting our. uh, you know, Northern Health's values into practice, yeah. uh, empathy, respect, collaboration, and innovation. So when we teamed up with uh, Inspector Hansen's team, uh, we, we understand that it, it will have an effect from, you know, like processes like in ER, expediting um, any clients that needing support. And also, I feel like we're bringing the uh, support right there on site, uh, responding to... Yeah mental health situations or any crisis for a community. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, and, and we're constantly meeting, uh, you know, how, how, to, how to improve um, uh, and, and to be more efficient. So, yeah. yeah. Are you hearing from kind of the, the clinicians who do go out that, and, and even from members too as well, Inspector Hansen, that this is making it easier perhaps for the people who, who, who are, you know, you're attending the call to sort of apprehend, as you say, or, or talk to, right? Because it's not a it's not a cop approaching them now. It's it's a mental health nurse who, the, the even the approach can sort of be different and maybe less hostile. I guess when it happens, it has some way. Absolutely. I mean, we're we're never hostile when we're dealing yeah, with the yeah. public. But yes, I mean, look, police are the visible arm of the judicial system in this country, right? Mm-hmm. We enforce the laws. So we're an authority figure. We wear a uniform. We carry weapons. We have body armor. And obviously that creates anxiety for a great many people, you know, and depending on their lived experience or circumstances, all of that sort of thing. And so, yes, attending with a mental health worker um, immediately changes the tone, mm-hmm. right? Because what happens is when we attend, the mental health worker takes the lead in dealing with the client and the member is there for safety, mm-hmm. right? Instead of the member being having to do all of those things. Um, and further to your question earlier, yes, we do receive uh, um, several hours of training for yeah. critical incident de-escalation, and we have to renew that training every so many years. Um, but again, it's, it's not the same as being a, a worker. Plus, 
the ICMT worker, she is very well known by the majority of a lot of the clientele that we end up being called to assist. So they have that prior relationship, which okay. really also enhances her abilities because there's trust, mm-hmm. right? You know, believe it or not, police can actually form trust with the people that we, we interact with and serve and, and, and even occasionally have to, you know, arrest, but it's, a, it's different, right? It's a very different role. So having that person in that role with that history and those relationships makes a huge difference. Yeah. I want to quickly apologize. I, I think I meant hostile from the person. Yeah, yeah that's, that's sort of what I meant. Um, where was I going with this now? <laughs> I, I guess now that we're kind of a year into this, um, you know, what's, what do you think from both of you has kind of been a challenge of kind of making this happen? Because it sounds like the outcomes have been pretty good so far, but what's still kind of hurdles that you've noticed in kind of rolling out this program that maybe even you've noticed in comparison to how, sort of how it went in Prince George, for example? Um, from my perspective, the only hurdle really is just we also we both operate within our own systems, right? Yeah. So we're trying to navigate that, the lovely silo effect, mm-hmm. um, you know, and resourcing. Yeah, you know, it's for me, it's a question of how many officers do I have, um, and for Joseph, he can certainly speak to it at length. Sure. But it's a it's a question of how many workers or, or nurses can he can he find mm-hmm. to fill these spots are they interested in filling them I, I think there has been interest but it's a it's about recruitment in the north you know it's it's quite difficult uh so th- to me that's our biggest challenge you know it's not financial it doesn't really take that much money to run this type of unit you know we've purchased a few things for safety for the mental health worker and i think you know she has a laptop and all that sort of stuff but other than that it's a pretty mobile unit and a lot mm-hmm. of the infrastructure is already in place so it's really for us about human resources Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's it's as I understand, it's not available twenty four hours a day, and kind of as you say, it's it's a bit more. You're working around schedules because yes. of sort of everyone stretched as it is to kind of make it work, right? Yes, but Northern Health. Um, well, we just had some positive conversations. I'll let sure. Joseph speak to it. Sure, yeah. uh, maybe I'll guess uh, address the, the the challenges first. Definitely, staffing uh, is an, a big issue, uh, and it, it's all across. I think the province. Yes. Um, but with this specific project, we, we actually didn't have uh, funding for it. So we were, we were trying to be more creative and, you know, innovative. And we, fortunately for us, we have a mental health, and, uh, mental health clinician that's very knowledgeable, has got the expertise, knows the resources in the, com- in the community, mm-hmm. um, and agreed to take on this task. So um we we know that it's working so we've asked for more funding um and uh, i mean i could discuss that later in terms of the uh, plans moving forward yeah but uh and 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 i think the the security clearance for us was 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 also a challenge and it's a requirement from the rcmp side yes and that's where we also are having challenges um on our like on our back end in terms of our like our administrative staff down south um, again, with COVID, uh, you know, in order to do certain roles and work with us, you have to have an enhanced security clearance because you're in the car, you're with the officer, you're, you have, even though you don't have direct access to our databases, you're hearing things, you're seeing things. Yeah. So there's an enhanced process for that. And that process used to take mm, six to eight weeks and now it's taking five to seven months. Wow. And I don't have control over that yeah. uh, very much. Uh, you know, I work, I do my best to sort of work the bureaucracy as I can, but that is, that's also another 
um, barrier. Mm-hmm. But you know, we've surmounted it. We were able to get the current worker, and I and I, when if there is an additional uh, worker coming, I will do everything I can to fast track to expedite. Yes, yeah. expedite. But even then, <clears throat> the expectation is it's not like they're going to be on the job next week. It's going to take some time to just even as you say with the, sort of the paperwork side of it to kind of get it going. Well, I mean, you kind of brought up uh, the future already, so let, let's talk about it, Joseph. Um, we've, we're a year in. Um, we've identified some of the challenges. You say you're kind of working towards funding to make this so that there's more people available, maybe more of the day and more of the days of the week, correct? Sure. So we've uh, re- requested some funding. It's, it's been approved. So um, It's wonderful. The, the yeah. plan is to have... Um, uh, two nurses rotating so we can actually operate seven days a week and then our current clinician uh, will have a, a permanent role now that's Monday to Friday uh, to us you know we're pretty much creating a team yeah that could support uh, this program car 60 with the RCMP yeah. yes and um, and now that we're moving into this next phase Joseph yep. has always been very has been very gracious and she will be allowed to spend the bulk of her time working out of our detachment. I see. So we won't have to go to the hospital or to her office to pick her up any longer. She will start the day with her team meeting mm-hmm. and then come and spend the rest of the shift with us. So that is really beneficial. Um, just ensuring we have that access because it's not simply on the road. There are occasions when, say, people in custody have a mental health crisis or something. We've had people come to the front counter yeah. experiencing crisis. Uh, and actually, on a few occasions, luckily, she's just happened to be there dealing with something else, and she's been in- invaluable. Mm-hmm. Now, like seven days a week, we're not quite at 24 hours a day yet, I suppose. Is that not sort yet, of another yeah. hopeful goal in the future that this can be somebody's always, in theory, available just in case? Well, even Prince George doesn't have 24 hours a day. Yeah. Uh, they have coverage basically from about – because we look at our, our call volume like we, we and we sort of plan – so in Prince George, uh, the nurses worked between sort of 8.30 a.m. and about 11.30 or midnight. Okay. Seven days a week because that's when the bulk of the calls come in. So, so it's, But it is most of the day then. Yes. This is kind of what we're – in theory, if this next person comes, then we'll kind of get closer to that coverage. Yeah, depending on what Northern Health – you know, yeah. this is yeah. their – yeah. But we would be looking to obviously expand the hours, yes. Okay. Well, I mean, it's it's been a wonderful program. Last question kind of for both of you. What do you think has been – Kind of the, the the best response you've heard from this in in sort of even if it's a story about maybe you changed someone's life or, or whatnot that you've heard because this program now exists when it didn't before. Well, I mean, we've heard from clients that we've dealt with yeah. that they very much appreciated having the worker. Um, and again, some of it is because of their anxiety around the police with previous interactions. And a lot of it is just even if people have no previous interactions, they're dealing with somebody who has the techniques and the training to provide that additional layer of, of service mm-hmm. that we can't, you know, and to, to take the edge off the fact that it's the police coming, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, we're coming because there's nobody else available 24-7, and that's our mandate. Mm-hmm. But now we have this additional medical worker who can provide that extra level of care. And we had a well specific story, person in cells undergoing crisis. She happened to be there, and she was instrumental because she had a previous relationship with the individual, really was able to do some amazing work in a very short period of time, calm that person, you know, get them the additional medical resistance they required, which then made our life, in terms of the RCMP, significantly less stressful, right? Yeah. Because we're, when somebody's in our custody, we're responsible for them, you know? 
So yeah, it's just it's it's been wonderful. Yeah, uh, same from your end, Joseph. I mean, hearing from even the clinician and sort of her doing this job now for the past year or so. You know, what what have you heard from her about now being able to be kind of at the door at the situation as it, it sometimes turns out, rather than them coming to her at the hospital or wherever it happens to be? Sure. I mean, I can speak uh, like in general terms because yeah. uh, I don't want to speak to specifics or client situation. Yeah. Uh, but it, but I think it it really is more on um, being able to to serve the, the the client or the individual right there on the ground, and because it might end up in, in in a referral or maybe simple things that we could prevent uh, could be a negative experience or maybe mm-hmm. a more traumatic uh, trip to the to the hospital, um, and, and and generally. Because, because I've seen it, I've actually worked as a frontline nurse, as an outreach nurse, and I know the value, and, and that's going to be the effect that we're going to have when we have uh, this type of program. So, um, yeah, I, I think to, to summarize it, it, it should result into improved uh, care, right? Outcomes, yeah, yeah, improved outcomes, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I really appreciate you both taking some time to come down here and talk about this. And uh, uh, it's it's a wonderful program, and I'm, I'm glad we have it here, and I'm glad you, you brought it to Fort St. John. So thanks so much for coming by and giving me your thoughts on it. I appreciate it. No, thank you very yep. much for having me. Thanks again for having me. You're very welcome. Okay. All right, that's uh, RCMP Detachment Commander uh, Anthony Hansen and uh, Northern Health's Joseph de Guzman. We'll be right back to talk to Jody Serreras about the Doig River First Station Rodeo right after this on Moose Talks. Welcome back to the show. I'm Dub Craig. Well, the Doig River First Nation Rodeo has returned after after several years on hiatus. It's on today through Sunday and features rodeo events, food, and fun for the whole family. So to talk a bit about the return and some of the excellent events you can enjoy this weekend, I sat down with Jody Serreras, who is one of the organizers of the rodeo. Here's our conversation. Jody, thank you so much for joining me today on Moose Talks. Thank you for having me. Uh, so first of all, I mean, this is the first time the rodeo's been back in, I want to say, three years or something along those lines. How does it feel to be kind of putting this uh, big show on again? What, what's what been the response so far from people who, who've heard that it's back on? Are people excited? People are excited. We have some, we were busy with sponsorship. Uh, Our local community is amazing and they've come forward. So we have some great sponsors and uh, even the, the exhibitors, like it's, we are full rodeo. We have slack. We are, we're going to be busy all weekend. And I have to ask, I mean, since it's been kind of a few years since, since this happened, um, What's it been like to kind of get it all back together? I mean, it's it's not like you're reinventing the wheel, I assume, but kind of putting it all together again after a bit of hiatus. Has, has there been any sort of challenges associated with that? Um, our infrastructure around here, of course, three years not using it. Um, it's, you know, we've needed to repaint. We've had some sandblasting done. Um Lots of our sponsors have been out here working for the last few weeks. Uh, our members, uh, local community people, like uh, the response to everybody stepping up and helping has been great. It's it's a lot of work and it's a lot of work getting it back in. But um, the Doig community is they love rodeo and you know it's we are so lucky to have this here. So I mean, an event like this with 
really so many uh, moving parts to it, of course, all the rodeo, the gymkhana, you know, the free breakfast, the dinner, the dance. Like, there's lots of moving parts to it. Um, when did planning for this to come back this year kind of start? Was there plans even to kind of try it for last year and it just didn't work out? How, how long did this really kind of take to pull together? Um, I started kind of a little bit working on it since January, um, getting things going. But the last, I, I am, I like to leave things not till the end, but you just never know what kind of comes up. So the last two months, it's been uh, full-time busy. <laughs> and then in terms of the people participating, I mean, you kind of mentioned the vendors, but even the people entering the rodeo and that sort of thing. What's What's been the response been like for that so far? Have you had lots of people say, oh, excellent, and they're, they're signing up? Well, that is our exhibitors. Our exhibitors yeah. have been like, yeah, all those people have, they've been entering all week. Um, and it's been, it's been busy. Like, it's been so, our, lots of our, our, uh, different events they're full and they're like we, we have to do a slack so we'll have a slack on nine o'clock on saturday and sunday morning so all those guys have been notified and yeah so we'll start now at nine um and then our youth rodeo will start at 11 our junior rodeo and then our main performance will start at 2 p.m well for people listening who've never been specifically to this one um tell tell us a bit about all the things you can do by coming, uh, you know, and checking out this rodeo at the Doik River First Nation. Absolutely. Um, so tomorrow is the Jim Canna. Jim Canna runs at ten o'clock. Uh, we did do a pre-enter, but we are we are open. So if if families want to come out and enter the Jim Canna, absolutely come out. We have some amazing prizes. Um, they are like our our local sponsors, a Blackbird Environmental and Stars Murphy. They really came together, and and we were lucky to have such great things for them. Uh, So that's tomorrow. And then we have a family dance at 7 o'clock tomorrow night. Uh, It's a dry dance. We have a band. It's called Spirit Rider Band. And so there'll be some live music, and we hope everybody comes out and dances with their kids and their families. Um, There'll be, like, just kind of chips and pop that we're going to serve for that. And... um, Slack starts Saturday morning, 9 a.m., like I said. So that'll be all the extras. So for, for barrel racers, uh, breakaway ropers, the ladies breakaway, and for the team ropers, those most of them will go on at 9 o'clock each morning. Uh, 11 o'clock, the junior rodeo starts. The 2 p.m. is the main performance. Uh, we have beer gardens. They start at 1 o'clock. At 7.30, we will have the dance start. Um, and it is with the, the Prairie States. So mm-hmm. the Prairie States are coming up from Southern Alberta. We're really excited to hear them. We have a prime rib dinner. This is my, kind of my favorite part. Uh, the meat doctor is coming out. They're doing a prime rib dinner. It is $15 a plate because we have sponsors that have sponsored the other, the other part of it. So, uh, to be able to offer a prime rib dinner for $15 is pretty amazing. I think. For, the, for everybody. So, yeah, it's same thing on Sunday. We have pancake breakfast, and both mornings are free. We have Cowboy Church on Sunday morning at 10. Um, yeah, I, like, it's it's really going to be an amazing event. 
And uh, I mean, you mentioned some of the things, uh, you know, the, the dinner has a bit of a cost attached to it, but just to come to watch the rodeo and whatnot, there's, there's, is there an admission to see any of those events or is that also free? Uh, there is an admission. We can pass as $25 a person. Uh, adult day pass is $15 a person. Uh, children's are, children are five and under six and seniors and elders are free. And we also have kids, bouncy castles, uh, a sound pit. Well, they got a lot. We got lots. Food trucks, a couple food trucks, donut truck. Yeah, it's going to be a, it's going to be busy. Mm-hmm. Now, I did also want to make sure I, I asked you about this because I know I've had um, Jeffrey Medicia from the Halfway River Rodeo on. Um, yes, Jeff. He, yeah. he uh, has talked about this rodeo coming back and just how excited he is to see that it's coming back uh, after a hiatus. What do you think makes an event like this so important for the people who come to it and just kind of the Doig River First Nation in general? Why is this something that just kind of seems to be bringing the community together there and also communities around the peace who seem to be so excited to have another rodeo to go to and and specifically this rodeo at Doig River? Uh, I think our our community is a... It's just a, it's a wonderful place. Um, one thing I forgot to mention is we're doing a cultural component. So on Saturday from 10 to 2, the cultural area will be set up and they will be, they'll be drumming, there'll be a tea dance, there'll be mm-hmm. um, hide rack, there'll be teepees and, and trapper tents. Like it's going to be another full event also with it. And I think that kind of brings in the Doig culture into the rodeo. Um Halfway has always had such an amazing rodeo, so it's nice that we can kind of offer it also here because Doig is, you know, has always had it, and uh, it's just it's nice to have both of them and the com- and all the communities how they get together, um, and and support each other. So it's 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 just a really it's a cool thing to have, and it's cool it's a cool place to do it in. I think. Awesome. Well, the weather's looking like it's going to be perfect for it. Um, again, to get your admission, that's just at the gate. You don't have to buy tickets in advance for anything, correct? No, everything's at the gate. And you can also, um, yeah, it's cash or we, we're hoping our square machines are up and running, but bring cash. We do not have bank machines out here or anything like that. So do bring bring a pocket full of cash to get in. And uh, yeah, your tickets for the dance. Dance tickets are $25 or if you want dance and dinner and dance it's 30 and you can get it all here at the rodeo office perfect yeah. well uh jody i really appreciate you taking a few minutes to chat with me about this today thank you so much for your time thank you for having us well that was jody serreras of the doig river first nation rodeo again it's on today tomorrow and sunday you gotta go check it out my thanks to our guests anthony hansen joseph de guzman and jody serreras for joining us today if you'd like to hear this episode again you or if you'd like to hear an old episode you can make sure to check out the energeticcity.ca podcast page while there if you're heading on the road for some fun this weekend you can enjoy hours of informative entertainment with all the episodes of available of secrets of the north before the peace and voices of the peace along with moose talks you can take some time to listen to excellently locally produced podcasts today at energeticcity.ca slash podcast or you can listen to them straight from the moose fm app that's our show jordan prentice and trey lopashinsky are the producers of moose talks i'm dub craig be well
Thanks for listening to this energeticcity.ca podcast. Energeticcity.ca is your only local and independent news in Northeast BC. To help keep us independent and to support this podcast, go to energeticcity.ca slash join.